I was up in the mountains of Colorado <coughs> speaking a year ago last month. I was staying at the home of Alan and Grace McMullen, Dr. Rice's daughter and the oldest daughter and her husband, staying at a cabin with him while I was speaking. And a call, a message came to me that Dr. Pete Rice was trying to contact me. And late that night, way up in the height of the mountains, cold it was, I found a pay phone and a little thing little bugs around the phone in my life. And I called long distance and, and Pete said, Dad has had a massive stroke. So I, uh, of course, I was grieved because in the truest sense of the word, Dr. Bill Rice is my friend. In the truest sense of the word, I'm his friend. When friends, when a friend hurts, you hurt. So in the mountains, I picked up my pen, and when I picked up my pen, Shakespeare never trembled. But I picked up my pen and I wrote these words. It's called a friend. Oh, a friend is one whose presence is a happy holiday, and some minutes spent together deep vacation far away, one whose hand clasps for a moment far surpass a day of rest. He is always an oasis to the one he loves the best. Yes, a friend is one whose presence far exceeds a weekend trip, and a rendezvous together when the two can sit and sip on a cup of tea and chatter, gives to both more zest and zip than two weeks high in the mountains if one friend is far away, or a cruise upon the ocean when the other has to stay. And a friend is one who thinketh how a person smelleth sweet, and it cometh from the closeness of the one he loves to meet. When they two can sit together while they rest their weary feet, for it's only at such moments when they both can feel complete. Oh, a friend is one who liveth off to share a funny joke, and one minute spent together beats an hour with other folk, and a friend is one who pulleth as he shares with me my yoke. If the road is straight and narrow, or exerts a sudden bend, the true one who walks it with you is the one we call a friend. And I'm delighted to be here and see my good friend, Dr. Bill Rice, and uh, Bill the Third, and Pete, Kathy, and all the loved ones here. I'm going to digress from the usual Bible conference kind of a sermon tonight, and I'm going to speak to you on the subject of baskets of summer fruit, a basket of summer fruit. This will not be a bombastic sermon. In fact, you'd have to listen on purpose tonight. I doubt if I'm going to do a thing to keep your attention except talk. But I would like for you to do something for me tonight. I, I'd like for you to give me your attention on purpose. And uh, let me chat with you for a while. I, I must say before I do, I guess one of the sweetest things, if not the sweetest that's ever been done for me, is the wonderful experience of having this Room 11 of Widener Inn dedicated to me and to my ministry. I'll never forget yesterday afternoon and the sweet, thoughtful expressions. I'll never forget when I walked in that room and saw Dr. Gale and Kathy and the beautiful room that you'll see tomorrow. I'm so grateful, more than they'll know and more than I could tell them. I'm grateful to Bill and Riverford and Pete for all the influence they've had on my son David. A lot has been said about David and me being his father, and I appreciate all of the insults, <laughs> dirty digs and rotten remarks and filthy insinuations and from my friend, Paul Levine, and... Uh, <laughs> but um, your halitosis does not smell sweet to me, brother, tonight. <laughs> but uh, the reason I'm saying that is I wish you'd move back to about the 10th row if you don't mind. It. <laughs> but uh, anyway, I, uh, I do appreciate what this rank has meant to my family, and especially to our son Dr. Bill called me, wrote me, and asked me if Dave could be a cowboy on the ranch when Dave was 11 years of age. Good night, Dave didn't know a cow from a boy. And uh, he, he thought a cowboy was a male cow. And uh, 
He he came down here and look, life when I tell him, I'm that kind of wait for you to laugh. Either laugh all at one time or don't laugh at all. But uh, anyway, I uh, he came down here and Doctor Bill even paid him a little money for what he did. Every summer day he came down. I recall one summer, <coughs> Doctor Bill, I guess I said something that's hard against me. He gave David a pony. <laughs> We always had to see Dave come home for the ranch. He always came home with a dog or a skunk or a possum or a pony or something. But one year it was a Shetland pony. We lived right in the middle of town in a very exclusive neighborhood. And uh, we couldn't find a place for that pony except across the street behind the house. And uh, at 2 o'clock every morning I'd get a phone call and the police would say, your horse is loose again, come get it. We'd just follow the you-know-what and... Uh, <coughs> would get to him and uh, put him in. But uh, the real life ranch has helped me, helped us rear our children, and it's helped the young people of First Baptist Church of Hammond. I'm going to say after a while, I'll say it now, 17 young men, <coughs> 17 young men are, are in the ministry or studying for the ministry from First Baptist Church of Hammond that surrender to the call to the ministry at Youth Week at the real life ranch. And so I'm, in, I'm embedded in so many ways to Dr. Bill and to Kathy and Bill Third and Pete. And of course, I must say to Betty also for this ranch and all it means to me. It's a very sacred place to me. In the book of Amos, is our text tonight. The book of Amos, chapter 8 and verse 1. The book of Amos, chapter 8, and verse 1. Page 939, in case you have a Sophia Bible. Amos, chapter 8, and verse 1. Thus hath the Lord God showed unto me, and behold, a basket of summer fruit. And he said, Amos, what seest thou? And I said, a basket of summer fruit. Then said the Lord unto me, The end is come upon my people of Israel. I will not again pass by them anymore. I want to speak tonight on some thoughts. I, I preached a message one time from this text. I'm not going to use that sermon. I'm going to give you some thoughts that I had in my room this afternoon as I was reading this passage. And I do trust that you'll listen very carefully as I pastorally speak to you on the subject, a basket of summer fruit. <coughs> We're not going to to be practical tonight. We're going, to, I'm going to pick out a verse or two and bathe in it for a while. We're going to lay aside our hammers and saws and pick up our hearts. I'm not going to walk in the vegetable garden tonight. I'm going to walk in the flower garden for a little while. I'm not going to go to the field of work. I'm going to go to the field of behold our riches for a while and just talk a little bit as a family, as a group of people, many of us who've sort of grown up together, and uh, say a few words to you about a basket of summer fruit. I don't plan to look at the stars tonight as a scientist would through a telescope. I plan to look at them tonight as a lover would with the one he loves. Our Heavenly Father, I pray tonight that you'd speak to our hearts in these moments, this Founders Week, Thank you that the founders on the platform with you tonight. Once again, thank you for every time we share a platform together through these years. And I pray in Founders Week and this last message of today and the last message that I'll bring, I pray it'll be fitting. I pray that each of us will spend a few moments thanking God for the founder and for the ranch and for all those that mean so much to America and to the world. In Jesus' name, amen. <coughs> <coughs> Amos was the keeper of the cattle, and all through his book we find him alluding to his peasant life. He spoke about a sheep torn by a lion. He spoke about the kine of Basham and a cart full of sheaves. He spoke about some sifted corn, a plowman, and a vine dresser. Amos was just your kind of guy and my kind of guy, a plodding kind of a fellow. He never soars to the heights of Daniel, and he certainly never reaches the imagination of Ezekiel. 
The tears of Jeremiah do not seem to be his. And the polish of Isaiah certainly is lacking in this man who is neither a prophet nor the son of a prophet. He does not see the children of Ezekiel or the seraphim of Isaiah. He's just an old-fashioned, hellfire and brimstone country preacher. He stabs his foes in short, abrupt sentences. He uses verbal ox goads like Shamgar rather than the sword of Goliath. He sends a flame at Syria and lightning upon Tyre, hurls darts at Edom, and pours a vial of wrath upon Ammon. At one place, at one place, he is called a gatherer of sycamore fruit. Now don't forget that statement. A gatherer of sycamore fruit. Now please listen carefully for the next five minutes. <coughs> Better translated, this would be called a bruiser of sycamore fruit. Listen carefully. A bruiser of sycamore fruit. It was believed by people in that time, in that place, that fruit would not ripen until it was bruised. Because of that, a person was so employed to take an iron comb and scratch and wound the skin of every piece of fruit. For they felt that the fruit would be bitter unless it was bruised. But once the fruit was bruised, it then would become sweet to the taste. Unwounded, it was too bitter to eat. When bruised, it was just right, for it was sweet. The Christian life is that way. I'm talking today, tonight, to, I'm going to guess, a thousand people or more. There are a thousand burdens in this room. There are a thousand heartaches in this room. I go off the broadcast every morning when I'm at home. Little novelty kind of broadcast we have, 30 minutes from 9 to 9.30. I go off saying these words every morning. I say, and uh, now it's time for us to say goodbye from the pastor's study. And don't forget, today, be good to everybody, because everybody is having a tough time. Be good to everybody, because everybody is having a tough time. And goodbye from the pastor's study. Those are the parting words every morning about 9.29 when I'm in Hammond, with which I say goodbye to my early audience. Now, you have burdens, and I have burdens. I laugh a great deal. I enjoy laughing. I enjoy having a good time. I miss Dr. Bill Rice preaching to us. Good night. Uh, we need a, another nut like that on the ranch here, as soon as we can find one. And I, uh, I miss him very much, his preaching. And we, we all love to have a good time. We all enjoy funny stories, and we all enjoy laughter together. Somebody asked me today, if, Dr. Howells, if you had your life to do over again, and you could choose one thing you didn't get, what would you get? And I said, that's easy to answer. I would ask, if I could spend my life over again and, 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 and have one thing I didn't get, I'd like to have a close friend with whom I could spend a lot of time. I don't know this or not, but those of us in the ministry, we don't get to see our closest friends very much. The people we love the most, outside our own family, are people with whom we just pass in the night, or pass on a platform, on a pulpit. We love each other very, very much. I'm talking about, you don't know the bond that, 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 that ties and binds uh, people like, like us, and Dr. Robertson, and Bob Gray, and Curtis Hudson, and others who are very dear, close, personal friends. And yet, the truth is, practically all the time we ever get to spend together is on a platform somewhere. But I, <coughs> I, I will say this. Everybody in this room tonight has a burden. I don't know what your burden is. Is it a uh, boy that's on dope and has broken your heart? And you try to laugh and you try to sing and, and, and you forget it just for a moment. But you wake up the next morning, the reality is there again. I took a little nap this afternoon. I dreamed that my drunken dad came to church and got saved. When I woke up, I didn't want to wake up. I had to face the reality once again that my dad died 27 years ago, an unsaved man, buried in a drunkard's grave. Behind all of our laughter, there are broken hearts. I don't know what yours is. Maybe yours is a, 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 a something inside your body that's hurting. You're afraid to go to the doctor because you're afraid to take the test for fear the news will be bad. Or maybe tonight your broken heart is you've been to the doctor and he gave you the answer 
you have a cancer lurking in your body. I have 11 people in my church in Hammond with terminal cancer tonight. 11 people. Yeah. <coughs> Two of those people are teachers in our school. I'm saying I don't know what your burden is, but I know you have a burden. I don't know what your heartache is, but I know you have a heartache. Now, why? I'll tell you why. Because it is the bruised fruit that is the sweetest. That fruit that has not been bruised does not know the sweetness of taste and cannot be to those who eat from it as sweet and as tasteful as that fruit which has been bruised. And I know why we have to have burdens. I know why we have the heartache. I know why we have the sorrows. But the Lord wants to use us. And God comes along and finds that our taste is bitter. And God finds we're proud, maybe. Maybe God finds a little bit cocky. Or God finds we're just human and, 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 and cannot be as sweet as he ought to be. And God comes along and he bruises us. And after we're bruised, we can do so much more for God. And God can use us so much better once we're bruised. Don't shrink from the heartaches of life. Don't shrink from the burden. Don't shrink from the tears. Don't shrink from the sorrows. I used to look at my mother. <coughs> my mother would <coughs> embroider a great deal. But you're still embroidering. You're still embroidering a little hook, you know. And uh, I can recall when I was a boy, my mother would be embroidering. I was a little tight. I'd look up and I'd say, Mama, what are you doing? And my mother would say, Son, I'm embroidering. And I'd say, It still looks like a mess to me, just a bunch of threads all jumbled up. And my mother would say to me, Son, you just go back to playing. When I finish after a while, I want to show you something. I'll put you up on my knee and let you see it from my side, and I'll show you something. And I'd say, I can't help it, Mother. It looks like a mess to me. And Mama says, Son, you just go back to playing now, and you just do what I say do, and after a while, I'll show you something. And so I'd play on the floor, and sure enough, after a while would come, as after a while do. And I'd my Mama say, Son, come up on Daddy's knee. And I, and Mother's knee, and I'd get on Mother's knee. And to my complete surprise, there was a beautiful sunset, or maybe a flower, or maybe a picture of a meadow. And I'd say, Mama, how did you do that? And my mother would say, Son, there's something you didn't know a while ago. You were looking from the underside. She said, from my side, looking down on it, there was a plan that somebody had drawn. And I was just following that plan. And I'd say, Mother, I just couldn't tell it from where I was. And Mother would say, I know it, Son. I often look. I often look up. When I see the burdens lately, uh, my heart has been broken many times. I've had three of my preacher boys go bad in the last few weeks. And uh, I've cried more tears over my boys than I've cried in a lifetime over my preacher boys. I look up sometime and I say, Dear Lord, what are you doing? And the Lord says, My son, I'm embroidering. And I said, she was a mess from down here. Why all the dark threads? And why all the black and the blue, dark blue threads? And why can't you have some bright red and orange and yellow threads? And the Heavenly Father says, Now, son, you just go soul winning and take care of first step your church at Hammond. And after a while, I'm going to bring you up here and put you on the knee and let you see. And one of these days, glory to God, we're going to get up on the Lord's knee and we're going to say, <laughs> I said, I didn't know that's why Dr. Dewey had a stroke. I didn't know that. I didn't know that's why, why uh, the preacher boy uh, uh, broke my heart. I didn't know why. That's, that's, that's why somebody had a cancer. I didn't know that. That's one of the great joys of heaven, I think, is looking at God's embroidering from God's side and find that there was a plan all the time. I was down in Tampa, Florida, preaching at a Lester Olaf tent one, one night. And uh, <coughs> late that night, I went down to pray a while. I was eating at the altar by myself in a big tent about this size. I was praying, and an old preacher walked up, and uh, he said, Can I pray with you, son? And that's back in the days when I was a son. And uh, I said, Sure. He said, Can I pray? I said, Sure. He said, Dear Lord, I hate flour. I hate flour. I thought, Good night. What a dumb way to pray. I'd heard folks say, Our Heavenly Father, and our great and almighty God, and our omnipotent Father, and our great, uh, um, our great uh, creator, he said, I hate flour. I hate flour. And I looked up at him to see if he'd cracked up, see what was going on. He said, I hate baking powder. I hate baking powder. Good night. That's not what I'd learned in the college and seminary how to pray. He said, I hate, I hate uh, lard shortening. I hate lard shortening. 
I hate salt. I hate salt. I didn't pray anymore. I looked at the nut and see what he was going to do. His eyes were shut, and a sweet look of heaven came on his face, and he said, But dear Lord, you put them all together and put them in the oven and cook them, and I sure do like hot biscuits. For all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Sometimes the Lord comes to me and to you, and he says, I'm going to make your fruit sweeter, and he bruises us, or he takes us the, the, uh, the metal cone that they use, the bruiser of the fruit, the gatherer of sycamore fruit, and he, and he takes the fruit, and he rubs the cone on it, and picks it, and, and the fruit begins to hurt, and it gets a little dark, and the Lord says, I'm trying to make you sweeter. I'm trying to make you fruit sweeter to the taste. He comes to a Lee Robertson and a Mrs. Robertson, a young Lee Robertson and Mrs. Robertson, and takes a little girl out of their house and out of their arms, whose name is Joy. And Dr. and Mrs. Robertson look up and say, Lord, why? And the Lord says, I'm trying to make you fruit sweeter. And they didn't know why then. They know why now. There's a camp, Joy, named in the honor of little Joy. I wonder how many tens of thousands of little Joys have been saved and Joys been brought because God bruised the fruit of little Dr. Robertson and Mrs. Robertson. Our Heavenly Father comes to a six-year-old John Rice and says, I've got to bruise you, son. I wonder why. And takes his mother on to heaven. And little John Rice goes up without a mother at home. Why? Because there's some sweet fruit that God wanted you, you and I to enjoy. Haven't we enjoyed the sweetness of his fruit through the years? Is it wonderful to go to the, the, the mailbox and it's still the Lord's day? And you can open up and find out who Dr. Rice is mad at now. And uh, uh, it's a wonderful privilege. You know, aren't we glad? Oh, yes, it wasn't easy for Dr. Rice to, to grow up without a mother. But isn't it wonderful that the fruit was bruised so you and I could enjoy the, enjoy the sweetness of his taste for these many years? God comes to a Dr. George W. Truett as a young preacher, and God sends Dr. Truett on a hunting trip with his best friend. And crawling through a barbed wire fence, Dr. Truett's gun goes off accidentally and shoots and kills his very best friend, and the fruit is bruised. Ah, but the bruising of that fruit caused so many to enjoy the sweetness of its taste in years to come. God comes to a Charles Haddon Spurgeon when his young preacher <coughs> causes the great tabernacle to, to burn. And seven of his members die. And Spurgeon never got over it. Never got over it. It was a cloud over his life, the rest of his ministry. Except the bruising of that fruit caused Mr. Spurgeon to be what he was. And I have his books, and you have his books, and we sit neither the tree of the fruit of his tree day after day after day, made sweet because it was blues when he was a young preacher. God comes to a young, a young Monroe, Dr. Monroe Parker, and one, one, one day after Parker and his wife are driving back from eating late at night, and they come over a hill, and a drunken driver comes across the median line and head, head on with Dr. Parker, and his wife is killed, and Dr. Parker's life is bruised. Ah, but haven't we heard him preach and enjoyed the sweetness of the fruit? as Dr. Parker's blessed our heart time and time again. And the dear Lord comes to a young Harold Seitler, who has a nine-year-old daughter. That nine-year-old daughter runs across the highway not far from home one day, and a drunken driver <coughs> swerves and sits her and takes her little nine-year-old daughter out into eternity, but hasn't the fruit been sweet that God has given us since he bruised Dr. Parker, Dr. Seitler's life. God comes to a young Jim Vineyard and Mrs. Vineyard and takes the little boy has his tonsils taken out, and suddenly begins to bleed. They did not know he was a free bleeder. And that little boy's wife is taken, he bleeds to death with a simple tonsillectomy. And God bruises Jim Vineyard, for when God bruises him, he does it so that the taste of his fruit might be sweet for millions of people. God came to a little course Matt, Mattie Hiles, the one I call Mother, who's 90 years of age now. Mother thinks I'm the best preacher in the whole world. She thinks compared to me, Dr. Bill Rice is a pair, and Dr. John Rice is an unsafe church member. And, uh, she, uh, <coughs> she thinks that Billy Sunday's a fraud compared to me, and I don't tell her any different. But uh, <coughs> my mother, when she was, <coughs> when she was uh, uh, eight years of age, her mother died. And mother had to cook and keep house at the age of eight for her two brothers and one sister and her father. She quit school, and she kept house and cooked and, uh, and reared the rest of the family. When mother was 17, she got married, but she didn't know her husband was going to become an alcoholic. She met a drunkard. When mother was 19, she had a baby. That little baby was named, named Lorene. The Lorene never walked for seven years. She lay on her back in the bed. She was afflicted. She never said, uh, Mommy. She never said, Daddy. She never said one word. She just lay on her back. 
and my mother sat there for seven long, miserable years with an alcoholic husband and little girls that couldn't say anything to her and took care of that little girl when God was bruising the fruit. He was bruising the fruit and bruising the fruit. And uh, then uh, they finally, she finally died, and they followed her hair shot to a little grave and laid a little, little, little ring in the grave in Italy, Texas. And then the God gave another little baby girl. Her name was Hazel. Oh, what a beautiful girl she was and how happy she was. She got measles when she was seven, and the after effects of the measles uh, came, and little Hazel looked up at Mother one night and said, Mama, I feel like I'm going up in the air to be with Jesus. And she did go up in the air to be with Jesus. And the second time in seven years, my mother followed her hearse out to the cemetery and laid right beside little Lorene's body, little Hazel's body, and God was bruising the fruit so it could be sweet to my taste all these many, many wonderful years. And then finally, Dad left home, and the depression came, and Mom and Dad lost the grocery store they had, and Dad left home for, for wine, women, and song, and Mother had to walk two miles a day to, to a public school to work for 50 cents a day in a lunchroom. For 12 years, she walked two miles to work and walked two miles back and made just a few pennies a day to keep her son with decent shoes and decent clothes. And, uh, and uh, God was bruising the fruit. I recall when I went in the army in World War II, Mother said goodbye to me, and the last word she said, she said, Son, my arms are empty again. My arms are empty again. Oh, God was bruising the fruit. He was bruising the fruit. But I've been able to sit beneath the shade of a tree for these many, many years and eat the sweetest of fruit I've ever eaten in my life. Don't shrink because you have burdens. Don't shrink because the tears flow like a river. Don't pull back because the heartaches come. Just thank God that the burdens and the sorrows and the heartaches of life and the loads you carry and the, and the, and, and the bad breaks, God is bruising you. Why? God has somebody needs some sweet fruit to eat, and God can only use fruit when it's bruised. I wonder why <clears throat> God came to a Charles Weigel when he was 40 years of age, and, uh, and his wife left him and took the only child. I don't know if you know that or not, Dr. Weigel, 40 years of age. His wife left him, the only child went with, it, went with her, and Dr. Weigel stepped down that very day, I understand, and wrote the words, I would love to tell you what I think of Jesus since I found in him a friend so strong and true. I would tell you how he changed my life completely. He did something that no other friend could do. No one ever cared for me like Jesus. And those words were written in the darkest hour of Dr. Weigel's life. And God was bruising Dr. Weigel and bruising him. Why was God bruising him? Because God had thousands of young students to come to Tennessee Temple College who needed to eat of the sweetness of his fruit. Did you ever eat of Dr. Weigel's fruit? Did you ever taste the sweetness of his, of his fruit? Ah, then you can understand why God bruised him. I recall <coughs> several years ago, Dr. Weigel, uh, they, they built a, a new building at Tennessee Temple. They called it the Weigel Music Center. And they asked Dr. Weigel if he would, like, he, he would like to come and dedicate it. And being a very brilliant man, he said, Dr. Jack Hiles. And so <coughs> I went down and dedicated the building. And uh, they built an apartment back in the back of the building for Dr. Weigel. Late at night, when everybody was gone, about midnight, I went back to thank Dr. Weigel for asking me to dedicate the building. I started to knock on the door, but I didn't hear, I didn't because I heard a noise. And I heard a, the bed rattling and, and springs squeaking, and I heard hands clapping, and I heard a little voice say, Glory to God! Hallelujah! Praise the Lord! And I knew he was having a spell. And if you've never seen Dr. Weigel have a spell, you'll know how sweet his fruit has tasted since he was bruised as a middle-aged man. And I just sat outside for a while, listened to him, praise the Lord, and tasted of his fruit. And then when it was all over, I knocked on the door, and he came to the door. He was barefooted. His breeches legs were rolled up to the calf of his leg. His shirt was unbuttoned, and his eyes were stained with tears, and a big smile on his face. And I said, Dr. Weigel, what's going on in here? He clapped his little hands and said, John, just practicing for heaven, that's all. Just practicing for heaven. Well, he's too practicing now. He's at a real, 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 real game now. But uh, aren't you glad, maybe, that some of the saints of God had to be bruised so you and I could enjoy the fruit of their lives? When God came to Dr. J. Hale Smith, if you don't know this, one day Dr. J. Hale Smith was in his, uh, one night, he slept, and he dreamed that his little boy was burned to death. He went to his office that day. His wife called him on the telephone and said, Come home, Harold, come quickly, come quickly. And Dr. Smith went home to find his little boy was burning to death just like he dreamed the night before it was. And Dr. Smith and his wife laid that little child in the grave 
Aren't we glad? Think of the thousands and tens of thousands of people whose lives have been blessed and changed and whose souls have been saved because of the bruising of the fruit. Now, ladies and gentlemen, the Lord seems to bruise some fruit more than others. I was talking to somebody tonight. And they said, well, so many, so many uh, things have happened, so many bad things have happened to me. I just sort of get used to it, I guess. The Lord seems to bruise some fruit more than others. I wonder why the Lord bruises some And they took her to the doctor after doctor, and finally they, they found out the fever got so high <clears throat> that her hearing was, was impaired. They wouldn't give up. They kept on trying to find a doctor that could, get, could bring her hearing back. But little Betty Rice never heard anything after that. God was bruising Dr. Bill's fruit and, and Kathy's fruit. I wonder why. So you and I could enjoy what we enjoy. Look around you tonight and see all the things we've enjoyed. This nutty thing we had a while ago. I told Bill the third. I said, boy, sing Amazing Grace after they get through before I preach. That doesn't really get a fellow ready to preach, you know. And the throwing pies in the face. I'm just kidding. I enjoyed it. And, uh, but, um, Man, I mean, all the fun, and the fun our young people have, and all the fun that the deaf young people have. Man, when I, you know how the deaf talk. <clears throat> the deaf use their voices. <laughs> our deaf folks come back and unload off the bus every year. It's like a bunch of ducks on a pond crack. <laughs> and uh, oh, the sweetness of the time they've enjoyed. Why? Why? Because many years ago, the Lord took some fruit and bruised it so you and I could enjoy the sweetness of that fruit. And uh, then a year ago, the Lord said, I'm going to bruise the fruit again. No, God didn't bruise Dr. Bill because of his sins. God didn't bruise Kathy because of her sins. Dr. Bill doesn't have his right arm hanging beside him tonight because of the punishment from God. God has it, God has it hanging there because God wanted to bruise his fruit and God wanted to bless America through Dr. Bill Rice more tonight than he ever has done. And you mark my word, as sure as there be a God in heaven, there's a reason for this. And as sure as there be a God in heaven, all things work together to good those, those that love God. And you just trust the dear Lord when he comes along and bruises your fruit. You just say, hallelujah, glory to God. He's going to use me even more than he ever has before. Taste. I want to say, give you, give you three words tonight, and I'll be through. First, I want to say, taste. 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 Taste, America. Taste, you deaf people. Taste from the fruit bruised by the hand of God made available here at the Bill Rice Ranch. Taste, young people. Taste. Thousands of young folks that come across these grounds year after year after year. They don't even know why they're having so much fun. They know nothing about the travail that made it possible. They know nothing about the suffering. They know nothing about the two years that Bill and Kathy spent over here with their family when there's a little shacks over here. <clears throat> I went inside their home this afternoon, a beautiful home, and I first thought I had. Glory to God, I'm glad they have it. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. For two years they lived over here, little old hut of our house, and cooked on a hot plate and didn't have any windows and had to pop the, 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 the board windows open, no glass windows, and live like people camping out all the time in a tent. Live like some of you folks are living for a week, a week here. They lived that way for two years when it was hot and cold, when it was dry and when it was wet. And folks will come here through these years that will never know what it was until they get to heaven. The fact that all of it was made possible because there was a young couple willing to take the bruising of God Almighty to make the fruit sweet and the taste sweet to the thousands of people that come across this ground. Taste, preachers! Taste, preachers! Taste! Taste! Taste the fruit! Don't take it lightly! Before you leave this week, you pause to thank God Almighty for the, the bruised fruit that we've enjoyed and the bruised fruit that we've enjoyed and the fruit that's been made sweet because of chastening, and not chastening, but because of, of, of bruising and because of burdens and because of heartaches. You ever stop to think? Practically everything we enjoy is because of atonement. You're sitting on some pews tonight that once lived. You're wearing some shoes tonight that once lived. You ate some food today that once lived. Your house is built of some lumber that once lived. The clothes you wear, most of the clothes you wear once lived. What am I saying? I'm saying that atonement is the very foundation of everything that's good. Somebody has to travail so somebody else can delight. Somebody has to suffer so somebody else can live. Somebody has to be bruised so someone else can enjoy the sweetness of their fruit. <coughs> Taste. <coughs> you men call to preach. Taste. You children, taste, Bill the Third. Taste, Pete. Taste, Kay. Taste, Betty. Taste. 
taste of the fruit that God has given you and giving you precious parents who are willing to travail so that you might have and willing to sacrifice to teach you and a mother that was willing to teach you and travel across the country in the back end of a van much, much of the time and teach you, taste it, taste it, taste it. Taste, children. Taste churches with deaf works all across America. Taste deaf people who never know where it started. Taste those of you deaf that have received Christ as Savior who will never know that all of this started in a little two-room shack over here when a couple of tables bruised and back yonder in Wheaton, Illinois, in Chicago, when a couple the fruit was bruised that tens of thousands of deaf people who will never know who influenced them might be saved and someday have their ears unstopped and feast on the riches of God's eternal glory. Why? Because of Bill and Kathy Rice, the founders of this great camp, taste and see that the Lord is good. But it didn't come easy. Some fruit had to be bruised before you and I could taste. But don't, to thank, don't forget to thank God for the bruises. <coughs> We've tasted the pomegranates of Betty's deafness. We've tasted the grapes of Kathy's years of teaching Betty. We've tasted the sycamore fruit of those two years in the hut. And now we taste the sweet figs of Dr. Bill's illness. Second word I want to say, the first word is taste. The second word I want to say is remember. Now please listen to this. I'm going to talk to you for a while about the one of the biggest sins we commit. We don't remember. Our Lord was going back to heaven. He gathered his twelve in the upper room. And he gave them fruit of the vine. Unleavened, of course. Bread. Unleavened, of course. And he said, don't forget me. Look, our Lord was human. I'm so glad about that. You know one of the greatest scriptures in the Bible? He was in all points tested like his wheat. And one of the next greatest scriptures in the Bible, there's no temptation taken you but such as is common to man. I like that. You ever want to kill your wife? Dr. Bill's wanted to kill Kathy, too. It's common to man. <coughs> you ever want to choke your mother-in-law? So did I. It's common to man. I was <coughs> sitting in a restaurant with Dr. John Rice. <coughs> Indianapolis, Indiana, and he said, out of the clear blue, nobody had said anything. He said, aren't women peculiar? And I said, Dr. Rice, why did you say that? He just said, because they're peculiar. And I said, have you and Mrs. Rice had a little tiff today? Yeah, he said, we had a few words before I left. Isn't that encouraging to the rest of us, the mortal people? Huh? I spoke a year ago last month. I spoke for the graduation commencement exercises at Tennessee Temple College. Now, to me, Lee Robertson is Moses' twin brother. Uh, he, uh, Moses, you ever know what Moses looked like? He looked like Lee Robertson. So how do you know? The Lord told me. That's how I know. And uh, now, to me, he's one of the giants. Well, after commencement exercises, he suggested that he and Mrs. Robertson drive me back to my motel room. Well, I'd never seen Dr. Robertson drive, you know. I thought probably he'd quote scripture while he drove, you know, you know. And uh, I thought maybe he'd quote 121st Psalm, you know. And the, the Lord preserve us in that going, going out and not coming in this time for even forevermore. And uh, so he got behind the lady that was hogging, hogging all, all, all of our side of the road. And Dr. Robertson said, Why don't you move over, Don Bunny? <laughs> I, 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 I wouldn't have felt any more shocked if I'd seen my mother drunk. <laughs> he said, move over, dumb buddy. I thought, good night. Is that Lee Robertson? Oh, my. And then all of a sudden, I said, glory to God. He's just a human like I am. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Now, our Lord was that way. Our Lord wanted people to... The Lord gave us the Lord's Supper so we could enjoy thinking about him. I don't think so. I think the Lord gave us the Lord's Supper because he didn't want us to forget him. I think if it had cameras in those days, he'd taken a picture, a bunch of pictures and, and said, keep these and look at me and don't forget me. But he said, don't forget me. I don't want you to forget me. I'm going to go back. But don't forget me. Listen to me. One of the great sins of the fundamental movement is forgetting. Now, God knows I'm no saint, and I have not yet apprehended, but I make 12 trips a year, 
as regular as the month goes around. I visit every cemetery in Hammond, Indiana, in our area that has any of our members buried in it. Once a month, <clears throat> once a month, I go to every cemetery in Hammond where I know we have a member buried. And I get out of my car and walk to that grave and spend about a minute remembering. I don't want to forget. I don't want to forget old Dr. Bob Jones, Sr. How often lately have you thought about Dr. Bob? Have you thanked God lately for his ministry? You'll never know the influence of old Dr. Bob Jones, Sr. on your life. You don't even know it, but he's influenced your life more times than you'll ever know. Like a mighty army marches that great militant force of Bob Jones graduates who've been fired and charged at the feet of that old saint of God. I think about him. I'm not going to forget him. I was thinking today, Lester Roloff was preaching one night. He was preaching on the subject, one of Brother Roloff's great dissertations, exposition, exegesis of the scripture. The subject was, and the mule walked on. He got preaching about about television. And that's that's the that's the need of all of his sermons. Television. He spent forty five minutes tearing up television. I was sitting behind him right in the middle. Doctor John Rice was right here. Doctor Bob Jones Sr. was right here. And right in the middle of that thing when Roloff said, Nobody ought on television. Old Doctor Bob leaned over to Doctor John and said, I don't care what he says, Brother John. I still like I love Lucy. <laughs> you know, who was it wrote, So nigh is grandeur to our dust, so near is God to man, when duty whispers low, thou must, but you supply as I can. Remember. Remember those who've been bruised so we might enjoy their fruit. I'll not forget Ford Porter. I spend some time every week thinking about his memory. Remember, tonight in Memphis, Tennessee, there sits in a room, alone and blind, Dr. R.G. Lee. Have you written him? Have you remembered him? Remember. Folks, one of these days, our usefulness will be over. Remember! Remember! The bruising of the fruit, these great saints of God who paved the way and cleared out the underbrush. Here's some people. I can recall when they'd settle for a gravel road, not just a paved road. Here's some people. Could recall when they'd settle for just a roof over us, much less this beautiful tabernacle tonight. <laughs> Remember! Oh, the awful sin of forgetting. Oh, Dr. R.G. Lee was down at 90 years of age, by the way. He's preaching in our, when he's 89, he's preaching in our college, and he stopped preaching and looked around and said, Could I spend my 90th birthday here? And when he came and preached for us on his 90th birthday, we gave him a first birthday celebration like nobody's ever had. He went down after his 90th birthday, was going to preach in Garland, Texas. Going up the elevator after eating supper, getting he got his Bible to go preach. Two men knocked him down, <coughs> put a scuff, uh, cut, his, cut his face. They rushed him to the hospital, took 11 stitches, I think it was, in his face. The doctor said, you have to stay here for observation and test overnight. And that old 90 year saint of God said, I've got to preach payday someday tonight. And the doctor said, you may be bad sick. And old Dr. Lee said, if I'm bad sick, I'll still be bad sick when I get to preaching. And that night, so they said, for one hour and a half, with 11 fresh stitches in his face and a concussion on his brain, old Dr. R.G. Lee preached for an hour and a half. They said they never heard him preach like that. Booze! Booze! Doesn't the Bible say the captain of our salvation was booze for our iniquity? And we like him. We'll have to taste the bitter taste of being bruised so that others may taste the sweetness of our fruit. Remember Beecham Vick? Beecham Vick. Remember him? 
Don't forget him. Bob Keyes. Bob Hughes. And don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, when you're back home, assuming your normal routine, Dr. Bill will still have a paralyzed right side. Remember. 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 I often think of Mrs. Weber here at the camp. Many times throughout the year, I'll think of Mrs. Weber. Her husband was pastor up in Anderson, wasn't Dr. Bill? Anderson. What friends they've been to this ranch here. I often think how much she misses her husband and the dizzy duties of being a pastor's wife. I spend some time, I did for one year, every Sunday morning, I spent 10 minutes, 10 or 15 minutes, thinking about Dr. Robertson when he couldn't preach. Last thing I do before I'd go in the pulpit, I'd say, thank God I can preach today. Thank God. And Dr. Bill, there's not a Sunday morning that passes. But what the last thing I do before I walk in my pulpit is love you for a while and thank God for you and thank God I can still preach. Remember, 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 nobody's self-made. Nobody makes himself. All of us are the combination what people have done for us who've been bruised so that we might taste their sweetness. A bruised mother, a bruised dad, a bruised pastor, a bruised friend, a bruised brother, a bruised sister, a bruised husband, a bruised wife, a bruised son, a bruised daughter. Third word I want to say is give. Give. First, taste. Taste the fruit. Second, remember. Somebody had to be bruised. Third, give. Ladies and gentlemen, listen to me now. If the Bill Rice Ranch ever needed us, it's tonight. If the Bill Rice Ranch ever needed friends, it's now. By the way, your friendship is being tested right now. Sure. Sure. I'd love to hear, hear Dr. Bill's jokes again. I've heard them 15 straight years. Neighbor! <laughs> sure. Sure. But Bill Rice's God never has a stroke. Bill Rice's God is not sick, and the same God that was concerned about providing for this great ministry all these years is still alive and well tonight. God's concerned about the future of this work. Rise up, friends, and prove your friendship. Go back home, Pastor. Get your folks to give a sizable check and send it to Bill Rice Ranch. Go back home, businessmen. Sacrifice some. Go back home, ladies. Save some out of your allowance every week. Save some of your grocery money. Go back home. By the grace of God, the Bill Rice Ranch will go on and on and on and on. And nobody goes on without friends. Nobody. Nobody. Ladies and gentlemen, there's no way in the world you can disassociate loving from giving. None. You can't disassociate loving from giving. I probably shouldn't say this, but I will. Dr. Bill came up tonight, and I know he doesn't come often, and I'm honored that he came tonight. Very honored. Sat down with his left hand and wrote a check for $1,000 to Hiles Anderson College. You know why he did that? He loved me. He loves our work. Bible didn't say God so loved that he prayed. Bible didn't say God so loved that he cared. Bible said God so loved that he gave. G-A-V-E-A. You can't love without giving. You can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. Rise up, friends. On this Founders Week, 1977, let's pledge ourselves to support this work and this ministry. But wait a minute. 
Wait a minute. The Bible says in Amos chapter 8, "'Twas summer fruit." "'Twas summer fruit." Now, summer fruit, when it's bruised, must be eaten right away. <laughs> they have some fruit in my room over here. And I, I, yesterday, when I got here, I peeled a half a banana and ate it and left the other half on the chest of drawers. Today I went back and I wanted to eat the other half. I didn't feel led to. <coughs> Something beat me to it. I had some little friends there feasting on my bruised fruit. Too late for me to get now. Why? This is summer fruit. You bruise fruit in the summertime, you eat it now, today, tomorrow. It won't be any good. And you won't be able to serve God tomorrow, for you don't know that you'll have a tomorrow. But we know that we have today, now. Tomorrow, you may not have to give. Tomorrow, you may not have strength with which to serve. Dr. Bill made a statement. Somebody went one before he got sick. By the way, the greatest commencement address I ever heard in my life, Dr. Bill Rice gave it at Howells Anderson College a month before he became ill. The greatest commencement address I've heard anybody preach in all of my life. And I've been commencing for years. The greatest I ever heard. But he made a statement, and I want to I thank him for it. I may just beat the fire out of him. He said that he didn't want to live if he couldn't preach. That's a selfish statement. Because we need Dr. Bill Rathlin now, whether he can preach or not. And by the way, he's still preaching. I saw a beautiful sermon a while ago. Bruised fruit. I sat on the platform, Kansas City, Missouri, several years ago, and I was the main speaker. I looked down the platform, <coughs> there stood these men on the platform <coughs> Dr. R.G. Lee, Dr. Beecham Dick. Dr. Ford Porter, Dr. Bob Jones, Sr. I looked on the program and I was the featured speaker. And I began to tremble. <laughs> no, they got the wrong feature. <laughs> well, Dr. Bob, Dr. Porter, Dr. Avery, Dr. Vick. And I began to cry. And I said to myself, I never thought God let me even shake hands with these men. Much less preach with them. Dr. Vick is in heaven. Dr. Porter is in heaven. Dr. Jones is in heaven. Dr. Lee will never preach another sermon with his lips. Folks, we're on center stage now. Bill? Billy? Jim? Jack? Pete? We're on center stage. Today. Today. Today! We're going to have to prove some. Must I be carried to the skies on flowery beds of ease? Or others fight to win the prize and sail through bloody seas? No! I must fight. I must be bruised if I would gain. Increase my courage, Lord. I'll bear the toil and do the pain supported by thy word. As you can tell, I cough a lot. It got worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. I got embarrassed about it and still am. One day when the doctors, I have seven doctors in my church, one day one of them scared me to death as I walked in the pulpit. He said, he said, uh, I think it's your heart. Now, I don't know if you cough and you got heart trouble or not, but boy, when he said that, I decided, I felt led to have a checkup. I went on Billings Hospital and they gave me all kinds of tests. And finally they got one. You ever see about the test? They stick that big uh, cable down your throat. It's a, 
<laughs> the television camera. They stick, and my face is never on television, but my gizzard has. And uh, they stick that big thing about that big around, about the size of a cable that you, uh, that you jack a battery with, and it, stick, and it has a camera on the end of it, and the doctor has a little television screen about that size, and he sticks the big thing down your throat. And uh, I didn't know whether I had cancer down there, or growth on the vocal cords, or what it was. But with my great faith in God, I was scared to death. They gave, they had, it's minor surgery. They rolled me in there and put me underneath that big old light. The nurse came in there and gave me a shot. And I said, don't put me out. He said, I, I got to give you I said, don't put me out. I want to see what's going on. They stuck that big thing down my, like, like the tail end of a rattlesnake, right down your throat. And I said, you what do you see? Hey, a lot of folks think I'm retarded anyhow, you know. Hey, Jackie. He told me that. He said, I, I see you've got a little problem with your esophagus, but it's nothing serious. You have to live with it the rest of your life, but it won't kill you. It just makes silly congregation hearing you snort all the time. But I said, hey, cancer, got cancer? He said, no, no cancer. Yeah, uh, 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 yeah, I'm grateful tonight, and maybe I should have taken this time to preach about your sins. But I sort of felt like somebody this week might ought to talk about what I said tonight. Thank God that some fruit has been bruised, graciously. Same old smile. Just got half of it, but same old smile. Same old Dr. Bill. Same Bill Rice Frank. With a couple of boys, the two of the greatest guys in the world. Love dad, faithful, loyal, no wife, given herself, been bruised time and time again. Her health has not been good through the years. Now let me turn to you for a minute. You have yours too, don't you? I don't know about yours, and nobody's going to preach a sermon about yours. You're going to go home tonight and wish maybe just one person knew about your heartache. Because you're not known around the world. And you're not famous like some of the rest of the folks. But God knows. And you mark it down. Somebody, maybe it's a Sunday school class, maybe it's a few bus kids, will enjoy the sweetness of your fruit. Because the Father who knoweth all thought it best to bruise you. What you gonna do? What you gonna do for God? You have today. I have today. This is today. Nobody ever served God yesterday. Nobody ever serves God tomorrow. You have today. Today. While you have today, and while I have today, let's take the bruising with all the grace we've seen these friends take.
Robertson, you hear Dr. Lee Robertson again? He was thinking about that the other day, the joy of body life. Help us when we hear Dr. John Rice again, to be thinking about those years without a mother. Help us when we hear Dr. J. Harold Smith again, to think about that little boy who was burning to death. Help us when we hear Harold Seidler again, to think about that little nine-year-old girl's body who rests beneath the sod, some hallowed, hallowed, sacred place. Help us when we hear Dr. Monroe Parker again, to think about the blood on the highway, and the wreck, and the clashing of steel, and the funeral service. Help us every time we think about this great place here. Think about Betty and Dr. Bill and Kathy and the two-room chat as we enjoy the unusual, unique, special sweetness that comes from the pomegranates, from the Bill Rice Ranch. Help us to taste that we've done this week. Help us to remember that we can do tomorrow. Help us to give that we can do today. In Jesus' name, amen.